You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join in the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Good morning, everybody. Steve Sponskowski here along with... Mike Kedrowski. We're coming to you live from Queen of Peace Catholic Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. And uh, we're excited to be with you this morning. Thank you for sharing with us this morning some of your time. Uh, we got some great, uh, great conversation coming up here in Straight Talk with Monsignor Tom Richter. We have a few seconds so we can talk with him before you get to talk with him. So, Monsignor Richter, how are you this morning? I am blessed. I am blessed to be with you, you two. Oh, yeah. Thank you for coming to our beautiful thank parish. You, thank you for the invitation, Monsignor. I... Uh, I am uh, most grateful that you're here right before Christmas. Um, and so I've been looking forward to this. The people have been looking forward to it. We even have a bit of a peanut gallery here. We have a studio audience. A studio audience. Yes. They're going to be making comments the whole time, aren't they? <laughs> yes. All right. Well, there's the sound that you're hearing right there, folks. That's uh, you calling in at 877-795-0122. 877-795-0122. Your opportunity to grill Monsignor Tom Richter. I mean, ask questions of Monsignor yeah. Tom Richter. Simple questions. Um, and he's got, he's got knowledge. He says simple, but he can handle anything. We've got faith. The Holy Spirit will provide. You can call in on that number, 877-795-0122. You can also uh, send in your question on Facebook, uh, Real Presence at Fa- Real Presence Radio at Facebook. Um, you can send that question in, and Monsignor Tom Richter will... Uh, Answer your question. And uh, so we're looking forward to your question here. Uh, Monsignor Richter, um, we were just talking about entering into the Christmas season. As we're uh, talking about that a little bit, share, share with us some family memory, memories of Christmas. Family yeah. memories of Christmas. Yeah. Well, uh, obviously, obviously the first memory, uh, I think, uh, that uh, I would have as a consistent thing, right, is Christmas Eve Mass. And so we always went uh, as a family to Christmas Eve Mass. There were a whole slug of us. We took a couple of cars. Uh, one of us would have to lay on the back dash of the yep. car, those sorts of things. You're f- perhaps all uh, familiar with that. Mm-hmm. And then we would come back, and Santa uh, Santa would show up uh, sometime in, uh, what, the late evening. Uh-huh. And we came from the culture and tradition. I don't know if it's German-Russian or not, but uh, Santa walked in with a big stick <laughs> and there was a, a certain a certain sort of holy fear that Santa inflicted. We had to kneel down and say our prayers. I remember kneeling behind my first my uh, big brother Gary <laughs> with this sort of strange experience of wanting to be close to Santa and uh, being scared of him at the same time. Uh, but then he would uh, he would lighten up. We'd sit on his lap and we would get uh, gifts. Usually uh, one toy and one sort of practical gift, like a pair of gloves that we can use outside, stuff like that. Ah, wonderful. Yeah. I think that's a great tradition, uh, you know, a practical gift. Sometimes I think we look at Christmas as the only, it's an opportunity to get the things that we, that we want, the things that we don't need. Um, but talk about that a little bit, because you grew up in a practical family, working hard, the value of family, the value of work. Um, what, what did that instill in you as an adult and now as a priest who's shepherding others? Well, I, I think uh, that um, with uh, all mom and dad's children, 
they were kind of limited that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's, it's a bit more difficult when a family has means, how, how you regulate that. Uh, so your kids are able to uh, appreciate. So for, for me, I think the, the greatest, uh, quality and gift that came out of that steve was uh capacity to appreciate the capacity to appreciate uh a gift which in the end is what christmas is about huh uh god giving us his greatest gift and really salvation is do i have a capacity to receive that as a gift and to appreciate that gift who of course is a person so um, I think, right, in gift giving on a level of the material, it's all a preparation. It's all about laying the groundwork to be able to appreciate the gift of Christ. Um, and so I, th- I think that's what uh, all this is supposed to be about. Mm. Um, and when it comes right down to it, there's nothing more practical <laughs> than receiving a Savior. There's nothing more practical than a person who is in deep trouble and needs to be rescued and knowing how to receive a savior. Um, and, and so I, th- I think that's the, the great hope of the church in the Christmas culture. It gets challenging, right, when we have a surplus. Mm-hmm. It gets challenging when we have an abundance. It gets challenging uh, for a young heart to be able to appreciate a gift when um, when uh, it's uh, it can sometimes become entitled, mm. you know, uh, the heart can yeah. become entitled easily. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. folks, you're listening to Monsignor Tom Richter. We're coming to you live from Queen of Peace Church here in Dickinson, North Dakota. This is your opportunity to ask your question, the question you've had on your mind at eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. You can also uh, send your question in on Facebook. Uh, but uh, we would like you to call at 877 because we want to hear your beautiful voice and your question for Monsignor Tom Rick. Amen. And, uh, folks, we, uh, we do encourage you to call in, 877-795-0122. Uh, we uh, want to welcome our uh, uh, studio audience here at uh, Queen of Peace Parish. They're just uh, lined up here. Uh, and uh, if uh, any one of you have a uh, question, uh, we do have an open mic here. We'll, uh, we'll get you set up and uh, you can uh, <laughs> yeah come on over and uh, we'll uh, we'll receive your question so uh, uh, Mon- uh monsignor uh what uh, do you have uh, a midnight mass here at uh, queen of peace well uh right uh, not not at midnight <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> if that makes any sense okay it's, it's always been a bit uh, right earlier yeah. <laughs> yes yeah. Yeah. Okay. uh it's at 10 Okay. So we have a four o'clock, okay. the four o'clock mass, the vigil mass, and then um, the 10 o'clock mass. Mm-hmm. And then on uh, e Christmas Day, we have the nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we only need three uh, masses due to the occupancy of our church. I think Queen of Peace is the largest uh, church in the Diocese of Bismarck mm-hmm. in regards to seating occupancy. Mm-hmm. Our church can hold about 840. Mm-hmm. And then if we open up uh, the the uh, um, doors, the movable doors into our community room, we can hold up to about 1,100. Wow. So uh, at the 4 o'clock, we have about right around there. Really? Yeah. Wow. And then Praise the, be to God. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's a, it's a nice crowd. Yeah. So we have uh, three Christmas Masses, 4, 10, and 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. And so the Midnight Mass, can you uh, uh, kind of discuss that a little bit? How, uh, how did that come? It, it's uh, been a tradition, uh, somewhat of a tradition over the years. And I remember growing up and my mom and dad going to Midnight Mass, and I was a little kid, and I, I was thinking I was so worried about them. You know, I've... I was never up past ten o'clock, you mm-hmm. know. So I was always worried about them. So how how did that midnight mass uh, come into play? Well, I am not uh, a liturgist nor um, uh, an expert in the history of liturgy and those okay. uh, things, but uh, it was it was all part of the the unfolding of the mystery of Christmas, the first Christmas, right? So the Mass at dawn early in the morning is the Shepherd's Mass, huh, with the angels okay. appearing to the shepherds. Okay. Obviously, vigil, huh, the whole idea of a vigil uh, has is deep in the heart of entering into the mystery, every mystery we have, mm-hmm. huh, um, keeping vigil, which is about a heart waiting and longing in faith, which pulls me into the mystery and receives the mystery that uh, God is making present. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in regards to the midnight mass uh, flowing from the vigil, I think uh, that would be largely just a, a, a liturgical tradition that uh, came about as far as the time of the birth mm-hmm. of uh, the Christ child. Mm-hmm. And uh, then from that comes the Mass at dawn with uh, the shepherds and then the Mass of the day. Mm-hmm. So we had an opportunity to, to really join in with Our Lady and Joseph at that moment, right, in yeah. the early morning. Um, of course, it makes a Christmas morning feel a little tired, <laughs> a little draggy, but uh, I know as our family, uh, we like to uh, to attend mass and sing in the choir and well, be part of those festivities it's restful right so when i was at uh, the cathedral bishop bishop kagan always had uh, the midnight mass and it was th- there was a real sort of restfulness in uh the church how ah. you're spent there's a quietness to the soul there's a quietness and a stillness to the mind which matches right the stillness of the earth mm. and the quiet of the earth Mm-hmm. enabling enabling uh the spirit the soul the mind to just be there uh free of distractions and uh enter in more to the holiness and the mm-hmm. peace and the joy of the the mystery of christmas mm-hmm. which is made present um you mentioned uh, uh just a few moments ago something about the uh, the announcement the angelic announcement to the shepherds and this was a piece on the Sunrise Morning Show this morning. And uh, I just was uh, a couple weeks ago in uh, Rochester, Minnesota. I was visiting with a couple that had just been to the Holy Land. They were at the spot, uh, you know, at, the, at the location mm-hmm. of the announcement to the shepherds. Uh, to experience that is just something unbelievable. It's on my bucket list. I hope Kathy and I will get to go there someday soon. Uh, but... Uh, uh, on the uh, Sunrise Morning Show this morning, they talked about how that was one of their favorite pieces of the uh, of the story, and uh, uh, so those angels 
that announced that. Mm-hmm. Those are the same angels that are talking to us today. <laughs> That's right. Incredible. And, and actually, it is credible. It's believable. But yes, it's, it's off-field and wondrous. So uh, not, not, only, not only, Mike, are those the same angels, right? The same baby Mary held in, his, in her arms who was holding the universe in existence is the same baby, the same God we eat at every Mass. Mm. Mm. Powerful. It's the same Christ child made present in the mystery of the Christmas Mass. Right. We need to make sure we're really clear on that, that this isn't just some reenactment. This isn't a passion play. This isn't a Christmas play, a Christmas program. This is what happened in Bethlehem on that night when the awesome beauty of God coming as one of us born into this world as Savior is made present at every Christmas Mass. Mm-hmm. And so not only are the angels as good as that is, huh? I'm not dissing I, I angels. Know, know. They're, they're, they're yeah. pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, but the God of the universe, the Christ child, high is someone we hold, not just in our arms, but someone we take in. And so I think uh, when it comes to the Christmas mystery, uh, really the, the key for me uh, is uh, one word, and that's with. Uh, with. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Now, God was always with the people of uh, Israel huh? in the Old Testament through prophecy, through the king uh, the, and the line of kings, etc., through the law given to Moses. But Christmas is about God being with us in a whole new way. A whole new way. Mm-hmm. And so now, now uh, entering into Christmas, being Catholic, is about friendship with a person. It's about friendship with a person. All catechesis, all doctrine, all ritual, all our creeds, all our scriptures, sooner or later, is about my heart being able to be with another heart mm-hmm. and to receive from that other heart. And then to share what is received. This is what uh, the Christmas mystery is all about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this mystery then explodes and unfolds, right? First and foremost, in the sacrament of baptism. Very eloquently put, Father. Thank you for that. Go ahead. I'm not done yet. All right. (laughs) (laughs) And so the life of this is... God born in the flesh, this incarnation, how this life of the life of God in this human being, Jesus of Nazareth, is what baptism is all about for us. The living God made present in us, with us. And so what is baptism? Baptism is uh, to the soul what marriage is between two people. Baptism is about Jesus and my soul becoming one to be with me. And for me to be with him in everything. 
And um, and so this isn't some mystery of the past. This isn't just some nice, neat, wondrous sort of past event. This isn't just some... Christmas isn't a day. That's right. Christmas is a person. Christmas is God with us in a way that was beyond everybody's wildest imagination. Mm -hmm. Folks, if you want to call in and talk to Monsignor Thomas Richter, you can call 877-795-0122, and we're going to keep him going. But right now, Monsignor, we have a question on the line from Francesca and Holly. Francesca, how are you this morning? Hi. 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 Hi, Francesca. So what's your question for Monsignor <laughs> Thomas Richter this morning? My question is, how can I be more thankful for presents I receive at Christmas? Hmm. Good hmm. question, Francesca. <laughs> Thank you. Very good question. So how does the heart grow in gratitude? How does the heart grow in gratitude? So, um, Francesca, that question uh, is something we focus on again and again and again and again as Catholics. In fact, the act of gratitude is our central act. Uh, so the, the, first friends, the first friends of Jesus, those who met him, those who came to know him being with them, Francesca, their greatest duty, their greatest obligation, their greatest, <laughs> if you're a little girl, their greatest chore, so to speak, um, what they felt they had to do most was give thanks, which is what uh, the word Eucharist means in Greek, huh? to give thanks. And so for everybody who knew, knows Jesus, who tastes him, who experiences it, who is a friend of his and experiences how he's a friend to them, then um, what they immediately feel their response is, is to thank, to give thanks, to be grateful. So um, how can you grow in gratitude? I think there's a couple of things, uh, Francesca. One, without without somehow being negative on yourself without some sort of self um, unhealthy self sort of unworthiness um, with avoiding that but but still having a certain sense of I don't deserve this huh a gift is beyond justice justice is something I deserve Right, it, your mom and dad feed you, and you you're grateful that they do. But, but <laughs> you deserve to be fed. Um, so so a gift rises above justice, and at the heart of that is I don't deserve this. That is a ground that is laying the foundation for gratitude. The second is then being aware, and and this takes this takes some maturity. Huh, to see what is inside of the other person who's giving me this gift. 
Huh? So when someone gives you a toy, when someone gives you a book, when someone gives you a dress, when someone gives you this, huh, the gift, the physical thing, only represents what's inside of the other person for you. And so now I receive this gift from love. And it's encountering love. It's encountering this person is so good to me that enables my heart to be grateful. So to see the love behind the gift. Now, Francesca, when it comes to God, this is where it gets good. God, whenever God gives, he in fact is the gift. His presence is in the gift. So when you go to confession and he forgives you, his presence is what forgives you. Uh, when you go to Mass, right, his gift is himself. When you pray and he answers prayers, it's by his loving activity uh, who is, uh, who is uh, responding, who is, uh, you know, um, carrying out his goodwill toward you. I don't know if that help, uh, helps. Francesca, one last thing to have in your mind, right, clear. A lack of gratitude is blindness. I actually don't see all the goodness that is being shown me. Thanks, Francesca. I hope that helps. If it doesn't make sense, ask Thank your mom. You. She'll, give you, she'll, <laughs> she'll give you a much better answer. Thank you for calling in, Francesca. If you want to call in with your question, 877-795-0122. You can also send your question in on Facebook. We have a question being typed in right now, Monsignor. Um, and I think one of the questions I want to ask you here as they get that typed out here real quick, a lot of us family members are going to be coming together with other family members that they don't always get along and we also don't always share the same faith. And I know you have great wisdom on discipling one another. What, what, what insight would you give to people as they return to their families um, and get into these, uh, you know, these relationships and these conversations that might be a little uncomfortable? How do we best draw others to Christ in this time? Yeah, um, challenging, huh? Um, I think, uh, one certainly wants to avoid any sort of what forcing something. So it's, it's really nice if one has enough self-awareness to know the difference between their ego and grace. Huh? It's, it's really nice to know the difference. Is my ego telling me to say this or is grace telling me to say that? Th that's a nice, <laughs> that's a nice awareness. <laughs> If you don't have that awareness, uh, it gets a bit more challenging. But uh, I think, right, uh, most in most cases, most families would, uh, I would hope, all uh, be believers in Jesus. Um, and so Christ is at the center, at the center of that. I would want to find common ground. I won't want to pick fights <laughs> um, or evoke evoke things like that. Um, at the same time, I think when it comes to evangelization and sharing faith, which is incredibly important, huh? for all listeners, sharing faith is so important. I was taken aback at the Thirst Conference. I went to Curtis Martinstock. I went to Curtis Martinstock, and, and at one point, he, toward the beginning of his talk, he laid out this very engaging question. Like, what is it about families that can pass on the faith? 
what, what is that thing that enables a family to pass on the faith to the next generation? Uh, there's all kinds of families who practice the faith and it didn't go to the next generation. There's other families who practice it. And like, what is that? And I was just immediately engaged. I wanted to, and, um, uh, to make a long story short, uh, he said after, uh, you know, in his surveys of hundreds, thousands of people, blah, 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 families, the most common characteristic of those was sharing faith. What he called uh, spiritual conversations. Stuff like, so what did Father talk about today, kids? What, 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 what was he saying? Uh, kids, did you hear in the scriptures that uh, Jesus said, you know, um, you should hate your mother and father if you don't hate your mother and father? From How do you understand that, kids? Because I don't want you to hate me. <laughs> but anyway, so the point is, sharing faith is really important. Um, and, and so I think to to move away from a threatening approach, Steve, I think a good approach is really, really what this means to me. Right? What would I do without my faith? Hmm. I can't imagine life without Christ. I can't imagine life without the church. I can't imagine life without the Eucharist. I can't imagine life without confession. I can't imagine life without having a lived relationship with Jesus. I, my life would be so, so, so less, much less. That's my approach. How, how could anyone disagree? Like, yeah. It's non-threatening, and at the same time, it stirs. Mm -hmm. That's right. You can call in at 877-795-0122 if you have a question for Monsignor uh, Richter. I was going to say Vetter. <laughs> Monsignor Richter here uh, has a question. I have an anonymous question here. <clears throat> oh, actually, and we also have one in the studio. We'll get that one up ready here next. Um, Monsignor, here's an anonymous question online. How do we know that there were only three kings where they, where they were from? Um, were they from separate kingdoms, and were they kings or wise men? What's what's the exact their exact profession? Hmm. So, what do we know about the uh, three kings or wise men? Well, from scripture, right? From scripture, we uh, know that we don't know the number. Just says wise men. Right. The three came about because of the three gifts. But there's nothing in Scripture that it says there were three kings who gave three gifts. There could have been eight kings who gave three gifts. Could have been two kings who gave three gifts. Uh, so that's the first thing. The second is, um, according to the Greek, it looks like they were they were um, more in regard more in uh, the area of, let's say, science. Or philosophers, thus wise men. Mm -hmm. uh, philosophy is the lover, uh, a love friend of, of wisdom. So the wise men, three wise men, um, came from the east, and so uh, right, representing the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, the non-chosen people, who came and gave gifts. Due to the gifts. It seems, of course, it seems that they would have been people of 
stature, of nobility, and thus that is my understanding of the exchange from wise men to kings, from from just naming th- uh, wise men came from the east to number three because of the three gifts of Frank, frankincense, gold, and myrrh, and then throughout the uh, custom, the tradition, not uh, sacred tradition, but uh, the the Christian tradition throughout the centuries. Sounds great. Thank you for that question, Anonymous. Uh, we also, I think we only have time for a couple more questions here, but we've got an in-studio question here. Uh, so uh, go ahead. Good morning, Alice. Good morning. I'm wondering how, if you have any thoughts on how on how will we evangelize the indigenous people of the Amazon? They, they. I saw at the Vatican how they were worshiping the statue and. Go ahead. We're just trying to get the mic set here. Go ahead. Okay. Um, how will we evangelize the indigenous people of the Amazon? They seem to um, worship these statues, like I've seen at the at the Vatican, and um, the German bishops um, at the synod. Um, they seem to want married priests. Uh, I just wonder how you feel about that. Oh wow. Well, thank you, Ellis. Or two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping two seconds. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, they just had this big synod, you know, Ellis, this mm-hmm. big synod, um, trying to address and answer that question. How do we bring Christ to, to these people? Um, I think uh, that could be expanded. How do we bring Christ to the people in Dickinson who don't know Jesus? How do we bring Christ, right? And this is something the church faced from the very beginning. Um, the very beginning. And so I think when it, when it comes to evangelizing the non-evangelized, the first, uh, the first and most for- foremost thing is us living it. Us living it. Huh? In our own uh, daily lives, in our own lived relationship with, uh, with God. Um, a via negativa... Right? We don't evangelize by moving away from the faith. So however we evangelize the people of the Amazon and everywhere else, you don't do it by moving away from being less faithful. And so um, I think uh, that, uh, that comes down to the whole question of, of the integration of faith and culture with different, with, uh, different uh, cultures. But uh, as far as the p- specifics, that's what they addressed in uh, the Amazon. Married priests, um, they've, that's been a part of the church from the beginning. Um, I think the, the church right now would say that is, you, that is possible and acceptable in a limited manner. Thank you for your questions, folks. We're calling in. Stay tuned. This is Real Presence Live. On the other side of the break, we're going to visit with Father William McDermott of the Diocese of Fargo. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. <laughs> 